When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Paddock and the Pavilion. After our first part with the remarkable Ron Hutchinson, who had a very successful time riding winners at Royal Ascot, we are back with a Royal Ascot theme, with a focus on 2024. In this episode, I was joined by American syndicate manager Harlan Malter, who discussed his plans to return to Royal Ascot with a runner sired by his 2018 Group 1 King's Stand stakes contender, turned stallion Bucero. Plus, Will Aitkinhead, Senior Corporate and Industry Affairs Manager for Ascot Racecourse, spoke about attracting international runners to the Royal Meeting. Don't forget, if you like the show, we could always do with a rating or review. It all helps promote the paddock and the pavilion to new listeners. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Great British Racing International. Great British Racing International is British Horse Racing's dedicated service provider, committed to helping international parties navigate the networks that make up this world-leading industry and promoting stories from within British racing to a global audience. Hello, Harlan. Thanks for joining us on the Paddock and the Pavilion to talk about your dream of returning to Royal Ascot. Well, thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to start by asking you how you began your interest in horse racing. Um, you know, I'm a big, big sports fan from childhood on uh, anything sports. My father and brother and I uh, attended baseball, football, hockey, and horse racing kind of just was one of the things that we did. I was not a horse racing family. My father had nothing to do with horses in any way, shape or form. Um, but uh, once a year, I grew up in Boston and you could just drive right across Massachusetts to, to uh, uh, Saratoga Springs. And once a year we go and uh, it's an amazing uh, kind of uh, pastoral type track in the States, which is not normal. A lot of them are very urban. Um, and there's a big picnic area in the back and we get there and we lay down a lay down a blanket. And for some reason, it was just uh, just the whole atmosphere was amazing as a child. 
And I uh, used to say to my brother, we're going to own one of these horses, be inside, be with one of these horses. And uh, so it took a while. Um, uh, it, it's I think it can be a um, intimidating experience to kind of figure out if you're not in at all. You know, how do I get a trainer? How do I get a horse? How do I do any of this? So basically back um, back in 2006, seven, I finally said, I'm going to uh, buy a share in a syndicate. And I did that and it uh, got me started. And uh, it's been a very um, rapid, uh, I- rapid increase of part of my life. It's probably gone from zero to about 90 percent now. So it's uh, it's definitely something once in, it's in your blood, it's uh, hard to get out of. You can certainly say it's rapid with um your most famous horse, Bucaro. How, how did you come to get him? Well, again, it's, a lot of it was fandom. Um, I've told the story a couple of times, and um, and it's and it's, it's two parts about horse racing, which I find amazing. I'd say about ninety percent of my friends now are horse racing people. Um, it's it's a great uh, great industry for people who want to connect and and, and build up relationships. And um, there had been a horse in the states named Lost in the Fog when I was really just a fan. Um, he had ended up running the Breeders' Cup as a fantastic two and three year old. And uh, I've been a big fan of his. They made a documentary. And in that documentary, they talked to the people who consigned the horse. Um, some uh, very, very nice people. And I ended up meeting somebody else who happened to know them, uh, which happens a lot in horse racing. And we connected. And long story short, I bought a couple inexpensive uh, horses and I said to them, look, I don't have the money that most of these people have, uh, you know, to, to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. I need the horse that you think is worth that much, but might have an issue that's going to fall through the cracks. I need the fall through the cracks horse. And I got a phone call uh, one day and uh, I'll tell the previous story why I listened. He called me and said, I have one. It's going to fall through the cracks. It's January. I'd like to sell you the horse. But um, and, you know, we were going to sell it in April. But if you want to just do it now, you can buy it now. So I think they it was ninety thousand dollars. And I said, that's that's out of my price range, unfortunately. He said, OK, well, that horse ended up going to the April sale uh, just four months later and selling for four hundred seventy five thousand dollars to the Japanese. So the next time he called and said, I have a horse. I picked up the phone and 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 it's you know uh, this story may go a little bit longer but uh, it, it is interesting. He called me and said, "Look, this horse has a you know first year sire, Florida sire, um, not heralded, gorgeous horse, breezed fantastic, it was a two year old sale, has a little vet issue, not major. I've had the horse since he was a baby. It's never going to bother him, but I can't tell other buyers that because I'm a guy selling a horse. So got on the phone with him. I told him I'll, I'll bid forty. The bidding, I bid 39, someone bid 40, um, uh, I bid 41, and they bid 42 immediately. And I said, well, that's it. And he said, you sure? You sure you don't want to? I said, one more, then hang up the phone. Well, he hung up the phone. I'm watching. He bids at 43. We got it for 43. So um, it's it, it was a, a fortunate experience. I wish I could say that I'd spent hours and hours reading pedigrees and things like that. But uh, this was on the... Uh, the good word of somebody who I developed a good relationship with. Well, he obviously had a a, a successful uh, bid because the horse uh, changed your life, really. I, I, I say it all the time. I mean, it's it, some people talk about changing your life financially. Um, a much bigger thing is changing the path of your life. And uh, you know, I went from just you know having fun owning some racehorses to you know uh, the Breeders' Cup, winning graded stakes at Keeneland, the Breeders' Cup. Being invited to run at Royal Ascot, and uh, you know, here I am, 
you know, uh, just a little guy trying to bring a bring a horse that I, you know, was lucky enough to turn into a stallion and now bring one of his babies back uh, to run here. So it's uh, altered pretty much every part of my life. Well, he ran at Royal Ascot on the 19th of June 2018. This is Bicaro in a outstanding field i mean uh, blue point won the race um, this is a king stand stakes and i was looking up blue point won it in 2018 he won it again in 2019 the horse that came second batash won that race in 2020 and um also lady aurelia um aurelia was seventh and she won the race in 2017 and you came fifth it was dream come true really well i'll, I'll- I'll one last piece you left out the third place finisher. I want to give her that credit. Mabs Cross ran third, and she was the Cartier Sprinter of the Year that year, uh, on top above Blue Point and Batash. So um, it, it was for a guy who had no idea what I was running into. Uh, it was very interesting because Lady really, I believe, went off at you know about five to two, and Bukera went off at fifty to one. And what had been so interesting was I said, I guess. You know, people aren't paying attention. We beat Lady Really pretty soundly in the Breeders' Cup just a couple months, you know, six months earlier, seven months earlier. So, you know, I think that our target was beating Lady Aurelia. And when we beat her, we thought we were in good shape. Uh, unfortunately, ran into some kind of legendary uh, uh, sprinters. But uh, it was an amazing sprint. And Bukera ran his eyeballs out and, you know, just couldn't, you know, he's just the type of horse you're just proud every time he goes out and runs. What did you like about him as a horse? That that was exactly, you know, I I had been an athlete and I know sometimes how hard it is to get up every day and practice, how hard it is every day to compete at your highest level. And what uh, Tim Gleishaw and I always joked about, we were a trainer, we shipped them all over. He ran at 13 race courses. Now I know in the UK, people ship all over. Uh, there, there's different meets. That's not how it's in the States. You'll find very good horses that maybe ran at two or three racetracks their whole career. Um, he ran at 13 racetracks in 31 races. And we used to always joke when he got off the van, you know, we could set the gate up in the parking lot and he'd run his eyeballs out. You know, we ran him on synthetic. We ran him on turf. We ran him on dirt. We ran him long. We ran him short. Anytime you're lucky enough to own a horse, and we have another one now uh, named Get Smoking, uh, who's a very similar type horse, that you know, if you put him in the gate, they're going to run. you got to soak in and appreciate those because they're far and few between. And he 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 epitomized that. Well, that should mean he he should be a good uh, stallion with all that variety. He should uh, he should breed, and uh, you then your now dream is to take one of his progeny back to Royal Ascot. And plans were for a horse, a colt called Mattingly, that ran at Gulfstream Park earlier this year. We tried. I think anybody in horse racing would say that this was the one of the craziest ideas that we'd probably try to do something like this, but. In January, this uh, idea of trying to get one over this year specifically came about. And um, the March, really, our only option was to buy in a March two-year-old sale, uh, the Ocala Breeder sale, because April was going to be too late. Um, well, lo and behold, there were six Bucaros. And that's, you know, obviously, that's a small selection to say, I'm going to try to get a horse that's going to go to Royal Ascot or even be a stakes horse or even get in the gate, let alone any of that. So we went and we were just lucky enough to find just a really special um uh, horse who just had the pieces was an athlete and was mature composed and we said well this is one we're going to take a shot with so we bought that horse and what was amazing is um and i had nothing to do with this obviously at the first day of that sale gulfstream announced that they were going to do a qualifying race just 45 days later gulfstream well 
the pieces all fell into place. And, you know, you, it's it's easy to write down a plan in horse racing and throw it away about three days after you wrote it down. Um, this one went to plan and we got him in the gate and, um, you know, he ran a fantastic race. We just unfortunately that day, you know, ran against a uh, a, a horse that was either more ready or a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be his biggest supporter this week. No name met. So uh, I hope he runs fantastic. And your horse uh, ran second at Goldstream Park on the 13th of May. Correct. We ran second to a very, very na- nice no name never who you you did not think you did not expect a no name never to show up um, at Gulfstream in the middle of May. Um, but uh, it did. And it ran very, very well. It was very forward, very precocious. It had breezed 20 and four at the April sale already. Um, and um, we put in our best effort. And Maddenly should be running back in the next two weeks uh, at Gulfstream. And we're hoping we can get a win and be off to Stakes Company in America. So, Harlan, what do you think attracts international runners to come to Royal Ascot now? I think it's 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 a combination of things. I think um, the Breeders' Cup um, really has become a centerpiece of American racing, and it's really the opportunity for most owners and and fans to see these international horses come over. And I think the Breeders' Cup it's 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 one of my favorite meets to be at. Um, and I think most fans and I think once um, uh, a lot of the American television, NBC picked up coverage of Ascot, it's really grown quite a bit from an owner standpoint. Now that you've been exposed to it, you've seen Americans go over and have success. I think the idea of going over and competing against this level of course um, and in this type of environment is very attractive. Uh, I will say, you know, people I keep asking, oh, you want to go back? I said, you got to go run a horse there first. And then you'll understand why you want to get back there because it's really just a a fantastic week of racing that gets put on uh, at Royal Ascot. And and I think, look, that's most people own racehorses to compete against the best. If you're lucky enough to have one, you want to compete against the best and you like to compete in one of the best meets in the world. So uh, if you get the horse, it's it, it's an opportunity. It's very, very hard to pass up. And I think a lot of American owners are are thirsting for that type of experience. And Wesley Ward has certainly been a trailblazer, hasn't he, with his two-year-olds? He absolutely has. I think he found a niche that um, you know people weren't doing initially. He's very, very good at it. And I think he's kind of shown uh, that path of the two-year-olds. Uh, we have some horses with Mark Cassie. Um, actually, the horse I mentioned, Get Smoking. Obviously, Mark brought an older horse over, uh, you know, Teppin. And that was kind of a magical experience, I think, for everybody uh, back in the States to have her come over and win. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that uh, this kind of continues and and more and more uh, American presence is there because I think I was in Dubai and I saw J- Japan is is coming. Japan is coming to win races everywhere, and they came to the Derby this year. Um, you know, they're starting to come here, and I think America should be doing the same thing. Let's hear from Ascot Racecourse and their senior corporate and industry affairs manager, Will Aitkinhead. I asked Will how the course goes about attracting international runners to the Royal Meeting. How do you go about attracting international runners to Royal Ascot? Well, that's a good question, Stephen. Look, the, the main thing for us is is the international element and flavour of the meeting. So, um, I mean, crucially, it's about identifying the right horses more, more than anything else. Um, and that they can come from anywhere. We've seen that in recent years um, from, you know, Australia, Hong Kong, um, America and Japan and and I think the, the key to it as I say, is getting the right horses and building those relationships with those trainers and owners to work with them to bring the horse over you know it's not a case of 
you know throwing loads of money at it and and you know putting on prize money it's it's finding the right horse that can come and compete and and do well in the specific races that fit the program um and we know what that program is now with, with the eight group ones um and clearly that they, those that's the focus um really for, for for attracting international runners um and it, it's developing with time you know we've seen the commonwealth cup come in in 2015 and that's become a really really attractive option to americans so it, it, it's a case of working with those american trainers our agents in those countries um and then finding finding the horses that, that can come and the trainers that want to bring them um so yeah i mean it's, an, it's a, it starts all year round you know the, the the process begins through the winter um following the international program through breeders cup melbourne cup meeting um into the hong kong end of year meeting and then and then through into the new year and just yeah working out what what the right horses are for the for our races Lots of Zoom calls and presumably face-to-face meetings. Yeah, lots of face-to-face travel. You know, our, our directors um, are out and about all through the winter, as I say, travelling to the Breeders' Cup, um, into into Melbourne Cup and, and Flemington, and then um, we'll go to other parts of America as well. Florida, go and see the trainers down in Florida, Hong Kong, um, Japan as well, through, tied into the into the championships meeting at Sydney as well in, in the new year. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of travel, lots of background work and a lot of it's a you know a long-term play you won't always get the horse um every time you go and it's just building those relationships with the trainers um to make sure that when they have the right horse that, that we're top of the list for them to bring them over to run at to run at ascot and you also have some qualifying races we do yeah we we had um for the first time this year there was there were two two-year-old races at Gulfstream park the royal palm series um, one for Colts and one for Phillies, um, and they were had an incredible start. I mean, Crimson Advocate won the Phillies race and came here and won the Queen Mary, um, so that was fantastic. That really was an initiative put together by First Racing, um, the Astronic Group, who, who who obviously run Gulfstream Park. So um, it's full credit to them really for their initiative. But obviously, we're very supportive of them and um, and of that initiative. And it's, it was great that George Weaver, George Weaver had both the winners of their races, the Colt and the Philly. Um, no name that's with the Colt run in the Norfolk and then obviously Crimson Africa. So that's that's a really exciting initiative that we might see more of um, in the future. Um, but obviously, we, you know, there's key races within the existing pattern as well that that um, that, that that feed very closely into um, into Royal Ascot. I mean, the Lightning Stakes, the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes at Flemington in, in February has been a key trial really for for the King Stand. You've seen Shazir um, take over target Nature Strip. Um, and obviously then calling Gatta this year who, who won the Lightning and then came over and ran in the King Stand. So that's a really key race for us. And there's other key races across the international programme that feed in really well um, into our programme. Talking of black caviar, has there been a plan to attract more international runners? Uh, I've looked on your website and it says since uh, 2003, 202 runners outside Europe have run at Royal Ascot. Yeah, I mean, I think 2003 is that key year, really, with Chaussier winning the King Stand, and then um, it would have been the Golden Jubilee at the time. That was a really kind of seminal moment, I think, for for us and for for internationals, or certainly Australians, that they realised that they could travel a horse all the way over the world and, and win not just once but twice um, in a week. So, for, yeah, since then, obviously, we've had had some of those great Australian sprinters, and obviously, Black Caviar, the best of the lot, really. So. Um, yeah, it's been a really conscious effort of the organisation. 
um, to build that international presence. Um, and it's crucial to the meeting. It really is. It's it's something that sets, you know, we, we want it to set the, meet, the meeting apart from everything else. I mean, last week we had in the, in the um, Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee States, we had four continents represented. Um, and that was that was, was was really a kind of justification of the um, of the of the initiative and the program, and and that just it's a circular, you know, it's a self fulfilling circular, really. In that once you get the runners, you get the international interest. The broadcast deals are then fall into place as part of that, um, and then the the money can be reinvested back into the prize money to attract horses in the future. So. Um, it is a real circular kind of um, strategy. And regarding the, Amer- the Americans, has sort of the Wesley Ward influence and brought more American runners as well? It has, absolutely. I mean, Wesley's pioneer, the, the way he's campaigned some of his horses, especially the two-year-olds, but not just the two-year-olds, you know, his older horses as well. Obviously, Lady really came back and won um, as a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, and I think that's inspiring others to try the same. We saw, I've just mentioned, we saw George Weaver come over We've seen Christoph Clement, um, so and there's and there's and there's others as well. So yes, Wesley's definitely leading the way. Um, he's had a dry spell now the last two Royal Ascots, but um, he'll keep bringing his best horses, and and others are following as well. So um, that's really exciting. What do you think the attraction is of Royal Ascot to these international runners? Is it the, the now the quality of the racing? I think it, yeah. I think uh, obviously the prestige and the quality. That we put on you know these are these are these races are stallion making races so if you can bring a horse over to win a european group one then that adds a huge amount to the value of that horse and um obviously we saw Coolmore try last year with home affairs from australia and um and others will try as well and um but it's not just that it goes way beyond that i mean the, the you know we've seen nature strip as an example of a gelding that would travel the world you know there's no need to you know there's, there's the prize money in australia is incredible um, and you look at the races like the Everest and and all those pop up races that have appeared. They they don't need to bring these horses over, but Chris Waller and his team they, and the owners they wanted to because of the prestige uh, and the sporting accomplishment of doing so, and and they were richly re- rewarded with his performance last year. So um, it's a whole mixture of things really, and, and you know prize money is an element of that. We talk about you know British racing's prize money problems, but at Royal Ascot it, it is. You know, we're trying to make it as internationally competitive as possible. Um, so it, that's another, you know, it's another factor. So um, yeah, a whole a whole mix of factors in play there. That must give you and the the staff at uh, Royal Ascot uh, great satisfaction. Yeah, it does. It really, really does. And to see the numbers of horses that travel over and want to want to come and be part of it, and and you know, part of that's you know the ownership experience as well. You know. I think there were 60 or 70 of them with Artorias this year and last year. Same with the astrologist. They're bringing huge numbers over just to be a part of the a part of the day. And obviously they'll only, you know, they'll only do so when they've got the right horse. But, um, you know, coming over for that experience is, um, is a major factor. And um, as you say, yeah, it's, it's hugely satisfying to see them come over and, and, and have success. And finally, the future, uh, more Japanese runners, hopefully. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's obviously the rise and rise of, of Japanese racing is, has been well documented and um, they've had huge success, you know, Saudi Arabia and Dubai and as well as the Breeders' Cup. Um, it, it's difficult, you know, with the timing of our season here is difficult with Japan. Obviously, they, they can run um, in those Middle Eastern 
meetings and, and still fit in their home program. We've seen Equinox go from Dubai and then into into the race at Japan at the weekend. And you know their their prize money and their pattern and the structure of the racing at Japan makes it attractive for them to stay at home. So we need to try and break into that. We have had Japanese runners um, in the past. I think the timing, as I say, is is a challenge, and also the ground is a challenge. You know, they weren't really really quick ground, um, and good to firm ground here is not is not the same as good to firm firm ground back back in Japan, which is what they're looking for. So um, we'll work on that. We, we work very closely with some of the other large independent race courses, Goodwood and York in particular, and, and the Jockey Club to you know, put on a programme of, of races for these horses that we can attract them to come over for a, for a season or half a season here. So um, fingers crossed we'll, we'll keep working on that. As I said before, it's, it's a long-term play with a lot of these things. So that's obviously on the agenda. Hong Kong, again, is another one. We, 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 you know, we had the first Hong Kong runner here in Wellington um, in the in the Jubilee for, since 2016. He's the first horse to travel over since then. So that's a really important market for us, obviously, with, with the whirlpool um, and the impact that, that Hong Kong runners will have on that whirlpool. So so that, again, we hope to attract more Hong Kong runners in the, in the coming years. Um, and then, yeah, who knows? I mean, South Africa, we've had runners from South Africa in the, in the early 2000s that they've struggled with. African horse sickness and all the problems that that's delivered to the country. So hopefully that might come onto the agenda again um, in the not so distant future. Um, and then, yeah, just, just really building on, on the rest really, you know, as I said, the success hopefully of major strip last year will encourage more Australians to want to come over, especially those sprinters. Um, and then, yeah, everywhere else really there's, you know, there's, yeah, it's a global, it's a global sport. It really is. So, um, hopefully we can continue to attract more of those international runners in the coming years. But now a change of plan Harlem with Mattingly. He's not coming to Royal Ascot in 2023. Correct. Right. So we ran second. Um, you know, it was part of the part of the um, prize money was a stipend for travel, which the reality is, is quite an expensive endeavor. Uh, to come over. And um, we just thought it was the right thing to keep him in the States right now. Our goal with him is not over yet. I mean, we, we could clearly come back and run one of the three old races. We still have very, very high hopes for him. Um, but we thought what made most sense uh, off of that effort is get his win down at Gulfstream if we can. There's a race coming up, as, as I mentioned, uh, in about 10 days. And uh, we're lucky enough to win that, head off to uh, some win a stakes on our own, uh, win our get our stakes win, and then Go from there. But the dream is still alive for hopefully 2024. And I understand you're going to see James Ferguson in Newmarket. Correct. Correct. So uh, arrived this morning, um, heading over to his yard tomorrow morning. We'd already talked uh, uh, at, at, at length about this 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 idea. And uh, the plan will be come over uh, in the fall and develop right through uh, James's program. And uh, if we're lucky enough to be early, uh, let's see if James can uh, James can get us back uh, back to Royal Ascot. So the horse will be permanently based in the UK when it comes over. Instead of bringing one over, pre- you know, breaking it, prepping it in the states, um, we're going to get it started right from the start here. I think that might give us an advantage. Uh, get an early, you know, hopefully an early win uh, in early 2024, uh, and then try to get there the old-fashioned way, um, campaigning the horse this way. And Bucaros, do they tend to be precocious two-year-olds? Yes, he. So his he, he in his he has obviously a little bit smaller crop than some of the major stallions. Um, 
I think he had about uh, 50, he has about 50 runners right now. Um, and uh, he has 29 winners from the 50 runners. So th- there were a lot of very solid two-year-olds and he was a very good two-year-old. So his, his progeny has followed along with that. You know, look, he, 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 he was a very fast uh, athletic horse. Uh, you know, he was not the type of horse you looked at and said, boy, when he's three, he's really going to turn in something. He developed quite well, but his babies come out running. They breeze very, very well at the sales. He's, his babies tend to be the fastest. He had the fastest worker at this past June sale, a filly that went nine and three for an eighth, which is the ties for the fastest of all time in that sale. And why James Ferguson in Newmarket? Well, he, he I, you know, I wanted to work with, I mean, there's obviously tr- tons of choices, um, but um, James seems to be a, kind of a young upcoming uh, trainer. And I think kind of being part of a project like this, I'd like to um, work with someone who is excited about the whole idea, excited about kind of exposing American racing uh, to the process. And he seemed very uh, open to the idea of uh, kind of including um me slash you know wh- however we people are able to follow uh this progress i wanted to find a partner in the in, in the process i guess you'll be making quite a few trips over then to the uk <laughs> well we'll see if my my daughter my daughter just is about to turn seven and she's finally starting to realize when i leave and gives me those sad eyes but uh uh maybe i'll bring her along a couple of trips but yes i'll i, I will be coming over quite often well there's worse places to go than new market if you love horse racing Oh, it's I, I. The minute I got back from our first trip, I said to, "Yeah, you must go to Newmarket." I, the way I describe it, it's 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 the Disneyland of horse racing. It's kind of you know a, a place built from the ground up for horses. But you're dusting your top hat and tails off for Royal Ascot 2023. I am. I've I have I have purchased my own top hat and tails, and uh, so now now I have to come to get my money's worth. But no, I it's something that I like to make a uh, something I do every year actually. So I have them, and I'll be attending this year. And I'm uh, like I said, I'm very excited to see a lot of uh, the American runners, uh, especially as I said, no name Mets. I'm uh, hopefully he can put in a good effort. And what makes the meeting so special for you? Is it the history, the racing, the fashion? <laughs> if people know me, the fashion is very low on the level. I got to. I'm, I, I, when I go to pick the one thing, the tie that matters, it's, I don't even know what to pick. I'm colorblind. So the fashion's the bottom. The top is, to me, it's amazing. What I love about the Breeders' Cup in America is it's really the meat that gets the most educated, enthusiastic viewers, right? It's the end of the meat. It's the top horses. People are looking forward to it. Ascot is very similar, except it's, it seems like it's the whole city of London that wants to be there. And um you know just it, it there's just a energy there um and excitement about it um obviously i think this year without uh the queen is obviously a, it'll be a new feel because i i really you could feel i really felt that way you could feel her presence there and uh you know knowing that you were running there and the joy she was getting from it and and hosting it but uh, i just think it's a it's a um a meet that brings together so many people who are enthusiastic about the sport uh it's just fun to be part of but to end our podcast the american dream for you through Bricaro lives on absolutely absolutely i'm hoping uh i'm hoping we'll do the same thing next year uh right before we have a runner well the very best of luck i uh, hope all goes well 
with James Ferguson and hope to see you at Royal Ascot in 2024 with a a filial cult uh, of Vaquero. Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.